0: Hi, this is Alison Arngrim, and I used to be Nellie Olson on Little House on the Prairie, and I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond.
1: On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now... Here's the host of On Screen & Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Welcome back to another edition of On Screen and Beyond. Brian Zamrak with you. This is episode 88. If you are a first time listener, I want to welcome you. If you are a long time listener, welcome back once again. And if you are a first time listener, I want to, uh, and even if you've uh, been here for a long time listening, um, we have a lot of past episodes. In fact, we have all the past episodes. This is number 88. We have all the other ones back there at our website, On Screen and And you can click on the OSB podcast reruns and you can listen to all the past episodes of on screen and beyond and we've got a lot of them we've got a lot of stars there uh i'm sure that there was somebody at least one actor who has been on a tv show or in a movie or a singer or something that we have interviewed that you would enjoy so why don't you take a little look at those and see what um what we have and uh, maybe you can listen to some of your favorites like um you know, we have uh, uh, Lee Majors, the $6 million man. We have uh, two people from um, the My Three Sun show. We have Chip and we have Robbie. And uh, we have Timmy from Lassie. And we have uh, uh, Ralph Mouth from Happy Days. And we had... Uh, uh, it's just so many. It's it's just un- unbelievable. I and mean, when you go back and you can watch, listen to them, and, and, and listen. If you're watching, you could also watch a little bit. Uh, we have pictures. If you are listening on iTunes, okay, if you go to iTunes and download it from iTunes, you get what's called an MP4. I mean, is it MP4 or something like that? Anyways, <laughs> M4A format, that's what it is. And uh, in that, you'll find that there are pictures that are embedded so you could actually uh, be seeing some of the people that were talking about the pictures show up in the, the movies or the DVD covers and things like that. So uh, it's, it's just another enhanced way you can listen to the show or watch part of the show. And uh, that's uh, if you're driving and listening while you're in traffic, don't don't watch. You know, just keep your eyes on the road and listen. So, anyways, uh, those are a couple of things that you can do. Uh, you go to onscreenandbeyond.com. dot com. And go click on OSB Podcast Reruns, and you can listen to all the old shows. A lot of great people there to listen to, and uh, it's it's just a lot of fun. And if you have any suggestions for guests that you would like to hear on On Screen and Beyond, you can send it to us at feedback at onscreenandbeyond.com, and we'll do our best to see if we can get that person on here. Uh, You never know. We try, and uh, some we get, some we don't. And uh, as far as guests, we have a great one today. Allison Arngrim, she was Nellie Olsen from Little House on the Prairie. Terrorized, just totally terrorized everybody on that show. But she's completely opposite of that. She's a great person. She tells us some great stories about Little House on the Prairie and all her her leading up into her acting and all that stuff. And it's coming up in just a few minutes right here on On Screen and Beyond. So, anyways, we're going to get right into uh, Remake Madness, coming up next, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, Disney's 1979 The Black Hole is looking at possibly making a remake, and it follows the crew of the USS Palomino once again see what happens with that one and in other disney remake news they have pulled the plug on the captain nemo 2000 leagues under the sea film project we'll keep you updated if anything changes on that and amityville horror looks like there's another remake on the way it was done of course in 1979 and also in 2005 and um, who knows (laughs) take another crack at it and that's about it for remake madness coming up next on on screen and beyond Upcoming and rumored movies, right here on On Screen and Beyond. This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies. On the road from Istanbul to Paris and London, one woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it, before thousands of lives are lost. FX is the veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Well, as far as upcoming and rumored movies, the people who brought us paranormal activity will bring us Area 51. This time it's about three teens who end up in the famous Area 51 in the Nevada desert. By mistake, but they get there, they're curious. And hopefully it's not going to be that shaky camera stuff that they did with Paranormal Activity. A lot of people don't like that. Anyways, uh, the story of P.T. Barnum called The Greatest Showman on Earth will come our way in 2012, starring Hugh Jackman and Anne Hathaway. And speaking of Anne Hathaway, she's also going to star in The Opposite of Love, which is in development. It's a romantic comedy about a commitment-phobic female and her ready-for-marriage boyfriend. We'll keep you updated on that. That's it for upcoming and rumored movies. Next, taking you down to Sequel City and showing you what's coming your way as far as sequels right here on On Screen and Beyond. Well, as far as sequels, the sequel to Zombieland is now rumored to be headed in the 3D direction. And we'll keep you updated on that. And it also looks like Dustin Hoffman will not be part of the sequel Little Fockers due to scheduling conflicts and jackass 3 will start production in january and maybe that one's going to be 3d2 keep you updated on that coming up next tv on dvd right here on on screen and beyond tv on dvd the pilot telefilm for then Came Bronson is available from Warner Brothers as a manufacturer-on-demand DVD. And it's not available in stores. It's only from Warner Brothers, okay? And that's a new thing they're doing. They're manufacturing these as you ask for them. It's a little different. And The Virginian Season 1... Part 1 and Season 1, Part 2 will be coming to DVD on March 9th. Now, that stars James Drury, and he was, of course, a past guest on On Screen and Beyond. You can go to our rerun page and look for Episode 37, which features our interview with James Drury. And let's see, my three sons season two, volume one, hits the stores on February twenty third. And also on there you can listen to interviews uh if you go to our on screen to be on podcast reruns. You can hear interviews with Don Grady, who played Robbie, and you can listen to another one that has uh Stan Livingston, who played Chip in our Rerun section of OnScreenAndBeyond.com, and they are episodes 25 and episode 31. So check those out and hear what those guys had to say about those shows. And that's about it for TV on DVD. Coming up next, Movies on DVD from Onscreen and Beyond. <laughs> movies on DVD from Onscreen and Beyond. It looks like Public Enemies with Johnny Depp and Christian Bale comes to DVD on December 8th. And on January 5th, look for Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, as it makes its way on the DVD. And January 23rd, Michael Jackson's This Is It arrives on DVD and Blu-ray. And that's about it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next, we have an interview with Alison Arngrim, who played Nellie Olson. She was on Little House of the Prairie, of course, and a lot of other things. She's going to talk about all those things right here next on On Screen and Beyond. <laughs> Today's guest on On Screen and Beyond is an actress whose character terrorized the character of Laura Ingalls for years on Little House on the Prairie. She was Nellie Olson. It's Allison Arngram. Welcome to On Screen and Beyond, Allison. Well,
0: thank you very much.
1: Allison, and, and I know you're, you're such a busy person. I understand you just got back from working on a film in France, and you're getting ready to take off again, and you're finishing up your book, and you're involved with charities, your stand-up comedy. Uh, how do you find time for I everything? hardly
0: believe it myself. I mean, I make the jokes about, yes, and in my spare time, I knit a piano um but it's true i have a one-woman show called uh confessions of a prairie can you say that word on here go ahead um, sure you can say anything of, <laughs> confessions of a prairie bitch and um the french version confessions d'une gaffe de la prairie and so i have a one-woman show in two countries and then i'm guessing I'm finishing up uh, the book confessions of a prairie bitch which will be out next year mm-hmm. and then i just uh my film uh my french film le deal is already out on dvd And then my American film, Make the Yuletide Gay, just came out on DVD for Christmas, as it is a Christmas story.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Jeez. (laughs)
0: It's beeping again. And it's a big thing on Netflix and Amazon now, so we're very excited about that.
1: Great. Jeez. And and now... I'm sort of jumping around here. I was going to start with something else, but uh, since we're talking about that. Now, you just got back from France. Were you filming a new film? No, France,
0: you- I did a tour. You know, it, uh, this was the fall tour. We just finished up the uh, tour of several shows of Confession in various small French towns where they're just mad for La Petite Maison. Mm-hmm. And I'm going back because there's a Christmas event in uh, Melun, France, I think it's just outside of Paris. And it's a lovely little town, and they're having their Noel festival, and I'm going in for that and a performance of Confessions.
1: Wow, jeez. Now, do you go to France very often for for tours and things?
0: It's usually at least twice a year. I usually do a spring visit and a fall visit, although next year I'm popping in in the summer because uh, there's a thing called the Morand Country uh, Music Festival, which is this enormous... Who knew that the French like country music, right? Did you know? (laughs) I didn't know. But the French like country music, and this enormous, like, 160,000-person event in the south of France where numerous bands from all over the world play country and western music. Hmm. Big events, and I'm the celebrity uh, uh, guest for that.
1: So so that when they're singing, is it uh, American country music that they're singing?
0: It's all of the above. There's French bands playing what we would think of as very similar to our country, country rock or bluegrass, and then there's bands from, I believe, Switzerland, Germany, England and Austin, Texas, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) all like on multiple stages and hot air balloon rides and monster trucks and everything you could possibly want at this monstrous week-long festival, but it's all French, And, and I basically get to introduce bands and be the celebrity. And oh. I'll probably be introducing American bands and British bands and French bands all week. But it's so it's really so wild.
1: You're huge over there, right? I mean,
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm as David Hasselhoff is to Germany. Apparently, Nellie also is to <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, I remember you know, uh, you always used to hear Jerry Lewis, you know, that he was right. huge. I over am there.
0: the new Jerry Lewis. You're oh. the new <laughs> Jerry Lewis. <laughs> so,
1: um...
0: Yes, the French think I'm a genius. What does that mean? I don't know. Is that a good thing? <laughs> But it, it's really fun. Well, Little House on the Prairie is popular all over the world. It's in, like, 140 countries now. It's just mm-hmm. crazy. It's DVDs. And every day I find out about some new corner of the earth where they adore Little House on the Prairie, from mm-hmm. Sri Lanka to Argentina. And it's particularly popular in France. Uh, something about the family and Michael and well, the fact that the show's very emotional. Right. The French yeah. really connected to it at some point. So. It so happens I really like things like chocolate and escargot and champagne, so the fact that the French have decided they think Nelly Olson is funny, and they like Little Houses worked out really conveniently for all of us. So I get to go to France a couple times a year. They love me, I love them, and there you are.
1: That's hard to take, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so now when when they have the DVDs in. Um, you know, or the TV show showing uh-huh. in France, are they dubbed in, in French? Or? Yes,
0: it's completely dubbed into French. And a few years ago, I actually met the woman who dubbed my voice. She's marvelous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and yes, it's a big. And they're very excited because some people in France will get their hands on the DVDs, the English version, and compare notes on who, who most sounds like their dubbing character and <laughs> how, how good the dubbing was.
1: Huh. Now, I, I take it you, you speak
0: French very well. I would say pretty well. I, uh, very well, I guess, for an American girl who only started learning to speak French after age 40. I guess I'm probably stellar in uh, that game. Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know that I'd ever, I don't think I'd ever pass for French. I could probably pass for a, a Canadian who, um, but I do manage. I do the entire show in French. And huh. I'm able to get around the streets of Paris and order food and get on and off the trains yeah. in French quite well.
1: Hmm. So, so people over there just you know your routine that you, your show that you do uh-huh. involves the little house and everything. And...
0: Absolutely, yeah. My French is different from my American show. We we change things not just linguistically but as we say culturally. Well, because I have hysterical stuff in my American act about my experiences on uh, Fantasy Island with Hervé hmm um, Fantasy Island wasn't that big in France. They go, Oh, you need the fantasy, yes. But they don't really know who Hervey Villachez is. Huh. Whereas here you pretty much say, Herve Villachez, that right. I was sexually harassed by Herve Villachez. he chased me around the set, people pretty much start cracking up. But in France they are like, eh, Hervé He's hmm. Yeah, where they're they're not as into that. And and certain celebrities are more known or less known. So if I had a joke about a celebrity that's terribly well known in America, but they haven't the vaguest idea who I'd be talking about in France. We've altered that to reflect uh, some different stories about celebrities who are more known, and then also, since I've now been going there so much, I've met several French celebrities that I can now do routines about. So it's quite fun. Oh,
1: gee, sounds sounds interesting. So now, when you're um, when you started out in the business, uh-huh. what got you into the acting bug?
0: Oh, my entire family are actors. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother's very famous in cartoons. She was the voice of Casper the Friendly Ghost.
1: Yes, Gumby.
0: <laughs> Sweet Polly Purebred, Underdog's Girlfriend, mm-hmm. and Davey of Davey and Goliath.
1: Yep, I remember that show.
0: And uh, my father uh, started, my parents were actors in Canada, but my father later became a manager and was working for Liberace and Debbie Reynolds. And so I was a little girl, and everyone I knew was in show business and acting. So I got my first job when I was about six. I went and got a commercial for mm-hmm. uh, Hunt's Ketchup, and then uh, I did several TV shows and worked my way up to the Little House in the Prairie when I was 12.
1: Uh, now, when when you um, were uh, going to growing up and and going to the movies or, or watching TV, mm-hmm. did you realize that that was your mother uh, doing Casper? Oh yes, or?
0: yes. I was very small, but um, I went to the studio once or twice, a little field trip with my mother, and had met many of the people. Um, and then, of course, when I watched, I could always tell. When a cartoon came on. Because she did a lot of cartoons. She guested on many cartoons and many commercials. And I always knew her voice. I would turn around and go, oh, mother's coming out of the television again. And I was, oh, it's Gumby. And I always thought it was hilarious that my mother was Gumby and Casper. In fact, other, other children, they had a little trouble understanding it. But it was Hollywood, so they sort of got the idea. When she would walk me to school, she would sometimes have to stop. And the children would ask her to do Gumby and do Casper. And she'd stand at 8 o'clock in the morning with her hair and curlers going, hi, I'm Casper the Friendly Ghost. So she's quite, quite brave about that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and
1: what was your first uh, TV show gig that you had, that you did?
0: Very, very, very first thing I did was a commercial mm-hmm. um, for Hunt's ketchup, up uh, And it involved a series of children trying to get the tomato into the bottle, you know, because it's so fresh. Uh, and, it's yeah. and um And my tomato broke and splattered all over me. That was one of those scenes. I survived, um, and then I did a panel show when I was very young called "Juvenile Jury." <laughs> I was sort of the Kitty Carlisle of the second grade. <laughs> I, had, I I went on this panel show to say, like, "Well, because okay, they had what was that?" We're one telling of, our
1: age when you when when I'm laughing at Kitty Carlisle. so
0: <laughs> right. And all the people, yeah, all the young people went, "Who?" Um, right. Everybody our age cracked up. Um, they had all these shows back then, like kids say the darndest Thing, yep. the Art Linkletter thing. And, it was huge, and everyone started ripping it off. And, like, the other network had a thing called Juvenile Jury, and it was their sort of lift of Kids Say the darndest Things. Mm-hmm. And they had a panel of, like, five kids on, like, a game show set, and they would have people on, on, often it was, like, it was a juvenile jury, it was an advice thing. They would have a letter from a kid saying, um, you know, my friend keeps boring my bicycle, what do you think I should do? We'd give sort of child advice. Yeah. And then sometimes we'd have celebrity guests, guess who they were we interviewed it was hysterical um, we even had historical shows we had a guy dressed as George Washington who came on and was a history expert but I went on it once and I kept getting asked back I became a regular panelist hence like, being like Kitty Carlisle I was always on Juvenile Jury it was a screen
1: huh that's interesting. Now, uh, when you were um, trying for the part of, uh, or a part on Little House yes. on the Prairie, you weren't n- necessarily going for Nellie Olson, right?
0: I didn't know what a Nellie Olson was. <laughs> I was one of those poor, deprived children who did not read a Little House books until I got the show. And I was clueless, and I, I went initially to just sort of a general audition where they told me they were making a show out of these books. It sounds great, but I hadn't read them. And then I came back, and I did, and I read... I read really for the part of Laura, because, well, they read everybody. It was like, you know, the search for Scarlett O'Hara. right And then I came back, and I read this other part, which I think is Mary, really. And I kept coming back and reading, and I thought, how many people do they have on this thing? And they went ahead and, like, did the pilot. I forgot all about it. But they knew, they saw something, but they went, it's certainly not Laura or Mary. (laughs) And they called me back, and I was absolutely floored when I saw the script for the part of Nellie. And I went and I read it, and they hired me on the spot (laughs)
1: Hmm. Now, now see, that, that shows what type of actress you are. I mean, you have to be very convincing, because, I mean, obviously you're not like that character.
0: <laughs> right, I'm fairly pleasant right now, aren't I? Um, <laughs> and I think what it was is I also kind of got the joke. The particular scene I had to read, it's still actually, I start cracking up actually when I think about it. It's from that first episode, Country Girls, where I do the My Home speech. And that's the one where I talk about how expensive everything is in my house. It's supposed to be a school essay, and all I do is talk about how fabulous our mm-hmm. house is. And it's a very funny bit, but for a very young, young kid, not everyone gets, like, irony and satire, depending on how old you are and what developmental level you're at and what movies you've been watching. Mm-hmm. But the joke clearly was, when I read it, I went, oh, this girl is carrying on about how fabulous this all is and has no idea she's making a fool out of herself she thinks this is really great she's totally hot and she's obviously an idiot and the entire class is dying of laughter and she talks about having three sets of dishes one for every day one for sunday and one when someone really special comes to visit which we've never even used yet now the gag is <laughs> she and her family have bought a set of dishes for when someone terribly important comes over. They don't know anyone important. They're in Walnut Grove, Minnesota. Right. <laughs> the queen's not coming to dinner. <laughs> but they've got the dishes. They're ready. But the fact that they've never even used it and that this girl who's obviously reading this essay has no clue that she's just given away the fact that her parents don't really know anyone. And I thought, I thought this was horrifyingly funny. I read it. I laughed out loud. Said, oh, this girl is just awful. Mm-hmm. And then I went and did it. I don't know that every 11-year-old in the world would have gotten that joke right away. Yeah. <laughs> and I did. I read it and burst out laughing and said, oh, no, which we've never even used yet. Oh, my God, she doesn't even get And so I was able to go in and do that, and I think they were sort of amazed that I like I got the joke.
1: Right, yeah. Hmm. your part as nelly was sometimes a very physical part
0: Uh, yes
1: did you you, uh, actually do all the stunts and and things like that or did
0: they you know a surprising amount i mean obviously they they try not to kill the child sometimes (laughs) injure maybe but they try not to kill us and so going down the hill in the wheelchair I did part of, but indeed, there is a stunt woman, a professional, who does that main shot when she hits the bottom and flies out of the chair and does mm-hmm. the backflip. I, I don't do backflips. <laughs> um, so I did other parts of the chair going down the hill, but not the impact shot. Um, I can't ride a horse to save my life and couldn't then. And our, our set horses were not really your average take them out riding horses. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. They were the movie horses that had mostly been trained from westerns to just run wildly into the distance following the Indians. And they weren't really <laughs> very well trained right. little girls to ride. And they were quite dangerous. Because um, so, Melissa Gilbert can ride, and they said, no, honey, you can't ride these horses. Get off of that thing. So m- majority of our riding was done by stunt girls, uh-huh. uh, especially falling off of horses. Some of the stunts, those things like anything getting poured over me, being dumped into ponds, dunk tanks, buckets overheads, uh, all fight scenes, being hit, punched, knocked down, falling flat on my face, uh, shoving my head through a screen door, that's all me. Boy, they really
1: put you through the the (laughs) (laughs) ringer.
0: That stuff I did. The beatings, completely I did myself. The, The dunkings... The piles of muck, ponds, rivers had set me. Yeah.
1: Right. I can always remember. You know, you, you you were constantly, you know, terrorizing, but you were also getting it back at you.
0: Oh, I nearly <laughs> drowned making that show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, when you were young, did uh, being that young on that show did it bother you that people, you know, hated your character and sometimes they didn't think and didn't separate you didn't, from me. Still you?
0: don't. It's a, it really? is a little bizarre. I've had to adjust to that. At the time, I thought it was a hoot, because I I did like villains in movies and cartoons, like, boo-ha-ha-ha. Oh, and the bad one. This is great. And so I love the idea that I was now, you know, a walking Halloween costume, (laughs) scaring people. (laughs) Fabulous. So I kind of like that. I thought it really odd that people had trouble making the separation. Do you know, weirdly, it was much worse with adults than kids. Really? Well, because kids generally would be people from my school who already knew me and went, oh, great, you're Nellie Olsen now. That's hilarious and they knew that it was fake and they seemed to get it and I think the kids well certainly Hollywood kids who knew that actors were actors and it was LA I mean kids went to tapings of TV shows and had favorite actors so they knew they knew that Fonzie wasn't Fonzie they knew that he was a man named Henry Winkler so they knew that they were actors and so it wasn't really a jump for them to consider that a kid was also acting that someone their age was pretending to do something else But a lot of grown-ups couldn't believe that a girl that young... And remember, I also looked so young for my age. I was like 12, 13 years old, and I must have looked like I was 10. I was a little skinny. So for them to see a child that young being that vicious, I think many more adults jumped to the conclusion, well just must be a miserable wretch, and where did they find her? Um, not really thinking through that. If I was that awful, they'd have never gotten the show done by the end of the week. Right. <laughs> <It wasn't laughs> possible to have on a set. So I think the the adults seem to be uh, uh, more disbelieving that this could really be a performance from someone that young. Um, and it, but it still goes on. Um, it's been very hard on my friends and anyone I ever dated. And uh, uh, my husband still, when people find out he's married to me, goes, "You're married to Nellie Olson." <laughs> and he gets these sort of sympathetic looks. You poor thing. As you said, <laughs> I, I've had my friends. Uh, Melissa Gilbert was in Ireland a few years ago, speaking at a school, and they said, "Who are you friends with from the show?" And she said, "Oh, I'm still friends with Alison Arngrim." And they said, "What do you want to be friends with her for?" <laughs> oh, <my goodness. laughs>
1: now is it true it, with, on the internet there's all kinds of things and every time oh, i gone, interview yes. somebody uh, i, I always
0: internet,
1: yes. <laughs> i always ask something that i've seen that sounds particularly interesting
0: yes. you got to double check because you have no idea who's put it up there
1: oh yeah there, there's so many different things that people say huh i did that <laughs> but anyways on yours um it there's it says that somebody actually threw something at you while you were in a parade
0: oh Yes, yes. I've had stuff thrown at me and been jumped and attacked and clobbered many times. I was in the Santa Claus Lane Hollywood Christmas Parade. I was about 16, height of the show. And um, I got a McDonald's uh, cup of orange soda flung at my head. Direct hit. Or as I like to say, and I was right behind Richard Simmons, and no one threw anything at him, which is totally unfair. (laughs) Because Richard Simmons was yelling and screaming and making people exercise in the street, and I really thought somebody was going to fling something at him, but no, it was me. Mm, um, and it was orange soda, and I can still smell it running down my neck to this day. And luckily, it was one of those, you know, plastic things—the the paper cup with the plastic lid and stuff.
1: Well, that's yeah. At least but, that's yeah, so it
0: wasn't killed. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, all I could, I could think of, you know, a soda can or something. a beer
0: bottle. Boom! I'm done. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and uh, so I was relieved that it was that. Um, but what struck me was the fact that you know it was still more than half full, and it was at least a buck seventy-five worth of soda, <laughs> and that someone was so angry at the very sight of me that they just felt compelled to fling this entire container of soda in my head, oh, and their aim, because it was a moving vehicle. It was a moving target.
1: Yeah, they were good shots.
0: <laughs> that, that was a hell of a shot. They had a hell of an arm on them to do that.
1: Now, was it tough getting in and out of the makeup, uh, mainly the hair, every show?
0: Yeah, they they did my hair for the first few months and then they got a wig. Oh, they did. Okay. And and it was brutal. I mean, doing my hair was brutal. I sleep in curls, but the wig, the wig was much more I mean, you know indestructible for all that going downhills hills and wheelchair fights. Yeah. But um, wearing a wig like that is extremely uncomfortable. In order for it to stay put, it has an enormous metal comb in the front, and you would have to have one for that kind of wig. I mean, when you see people on TV and movies with these elaborate wigs, those things are not comfortable. They yeah. got to stay on somehow, and yeah. the only way is metal combs and pins. And my wig was just about nailed to my head, jeez. and it was absolutely the most excruciatingly uncomfortable thing I have ever worn. Jeez. <laughs> and and it was like one hundred and ten in the shade, and so yeah, no, my my scalp was absolutely raw.
1: Oh jeez. Uh, now, when you were working with Michael Landon, um, did you know who he was? I mean, from his fame from Bonanza, when you started, not
0: as much. I hadn't. Really Watch Bonanza much because I was fairly young, so I wasn't like a little Joe fan. Right. I had heard of him, and I guess I was a very, very Hollywood child. I knew him more as the executive producer yeah. um, because yeah. I, I knew that he had been on Bonanza and that he had started to write and direct some episodes there. And what had happened was, is NBC had given him his own show because he was now the hot guy off Bonanza, mm-hmm. and so he said, "We'll give you your own show." And what had happened was. They had offered him many shows and he turned them all down. He said, I want to make Little House in the Prairie and I want to be Charles Ingalls. And he had heard about Ed Friendly who had the rights to the books, and said, I want to do this. So I call this guy, I want to be Charles Ingalls. And they said, You can't be Charles Ingalls, are you crazy? And they wanted him to play a, a policeman or a doctor or something. And right. he said, No, I, I want to be Charles Ingalls and, and the network, all the, the suits, they were sort of stunned. They really this is not what they were thinking of at all when they saw this new Michael Landon show and he insisted that it be very much to everyone's shock and amazement, and of course he was right. He was a huge hit. So I saw him as this producer who had directed and now had his own show and was this good-looking Hollywood guy with a lot of teeth and a big car. Um, And then eventually I started watching like Bonanza. I thought, oh, how funny. He's like the baby brother on this. In a way that was good, because I think some of the the grown-ups, the adults on the set, who'd grown up with Michael Landon is little Joe we're sort of thrown for a loop that silly little Joe from Bonanza was now the executive producer and signing their paycheck and giving them orders oh, as a right. director. <laughs> this may be very, very disconcerting if you're like in your late 30s, early 40s, and you studied for years in theater and had been on other shows, and suddenly loop and tells you where to put it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, what? You're telling me that i got to go stand here? Um, whereas to me, uh, I didn't have that problem. It's like, oh, he's Michael Landon. Oh. Yeah. I guess this is the new guy, yeah?
1: Mm-hmm. Was he as nice as he seemed, uh, you know, to the general public?
0: Yes. I mean, he's a very interesting person. He's one of the funniest people I ever met. Hmm. He was hilarious with an absolutely warped sense of humor. Just oh, off the okay. wall. Uh, what you need to know about Michael Anna was he was born on Halloween, and his hmm. birthday was Halloween. He considered it a national holiday. And was obsessed with all things werewolf and costumes and pranks.
1: Of course, he was in werewolf. Uh, I, was yeah, werewolf. I was a teenage werewolf. Teenage <laughs>
0: werewolf, and he absolutely adored the fact that he was the teenage werewolf. Uh. <laughs> and um, pretty much, Michael Landon, it was just like one big Halloween toilet paper in somebody's house. It was you know, he he liked practical jokes. He enjoyed. I think that's one of the reasons he worked so well with the kids. Is mm. part of him was always kind of this totally delinquent 13 year old kid
1: (laughs) the peter pan syndrome
0: yes i mean he was doing the whole show but he also was like oh boy let's go blow something up (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so i i thought he was i think he probably drove people crazy he was very driven Mm. he was nice but you know we did that entire show an hour show we shot the thing in like seven days wow and we were cranking it out. We were making this huge, elaborately shot thing like Gone with the Wind list. And, you know, he always, almost always brought the show in ahead of schedule and under budget. Wow. We worked at a furious breakneck pace all the time. And he was always the first one on the set and the last one to leave, so it's not like, you know, he didn't work right. hard, too. Yeah. But I think people were stunned at his just total perfectionism and overseeing every facet of production and saying, more, more, now, now, go, go. Yeah. And and this sort of blew their mind. I rather liked it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did, did you ever see any of the other cast members now?
0: Oh, God, yes, all of them. Um, we're, Of course, we're all on Facebook and Twitter and whatnot now. Um. But yeah, I'm quite good friends with Melissa. Melissa Gilbert's on the road right now with the musical of Little House. Yes, yeah. You're... And I was just checking in with her because it's been murder on her back, you know. The, the the music. You think the show is physical? You should see the musical. She's got to not only dance, she has to climb up on wagons and move sets and leap through the air and get picked up while she's wearing like a corset and everything. Yeah. So she's... she keeps, you know, it's all she can do not to snap her spine making the show. <laughs> <laughs> so I keep going. Is your back gone out again? Is she still okay? <laughs>
1: Now, even though you played such an evil character, mm-hmm. you know, um, in, in real life, like I was saying, that, you know, you, you, you're you a very caring person and you get into charitable work and all those mm-hmm. things. Can you tell us about any of those?
0: Oh, gosh, yes. Well, um, I started helping people with AIDS and HIV back in 86 um, when uh, uh, Steve Tracy, who played uh, Percival, my mm-hmm. husband on the show, yeah. he went public with his AIDS diagnosis in 86. And um, he did very well. He had experimental treatments, and his mother and his family really stood by him. But I saw that other people weren't getting that kind of support. And so I started volunteering at AIDS Project Los Angeles. And uh, I wound up traveling all over the country doing uh, fundraising for smaller AIDS organizations as well as a lot of education and awareness stuff. And then uh, in 2004, I was approached by a marvelous group called uh, National Association to Protect Children, or protect.org. And we've now uh, changed laws in seven states and done some stuff on the federal level uh, to get better protection for children. We've gotten more money for law enforcement that are specific to departments that protect kids. Uh, We've closed loopholes in the laws that allowed predators to go free. We've done all sorts of clever things, and we're on the web at Mm www.protect.org. And I'm very proud of the stuff we've managed to get done.
1: Yeah, well, that's great. I mean, it's a you know, it's it's nice to hear when people are doing uh, such great work,
0: and uh, so. and I'm able to use the Prairie thing for it because right. the show is yeah. is still so famous. You know, it does allow me to get on talk shows, get interviews like this one, <laughs> and to to go places. I mean, I know with AIDS. So many people were afraid to have someone come speak on HIV at their school or their workplace back in the day.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: oh, all right, it's well, it's Nellie from Little House on the Prairie. We'll have her in. Right. <laughs> and and I'm able to to have venues to speak at that somebody who wasn't from Little House on the Prairie might not get. Right. So yeah. I try to use it. yeah so.
1: Well, that's great. And um, I got one more thing to ask you here. Um, it's it's sort of a thing that I do to just get the let the people know what you are like. I mean, of course they know what all the things you've done here and everything. Right. But um, uh, two questions as far as the first one, could you tell us two of your favorite TV shows besides The Little House?
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Of all time, doesn't matter. See. You know, new old favorite TV shows. What do I love? Well, uh, let's see. One of the shows I liked a lot that is done now was um, Six Feet Under. I thought it was great. Mm-hmm. And I oddly, I compared that to Little House on the Prairie once. Someone said, what? I said, no, 16. And it was kind of like Little House on the Prairie. They all went to the mother when they had a problem. They really stuck together as a family unit. They dealt with serious issues. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So oddly. My favorite show when I was really little was The Addams Family. Ah, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm told that I was really sick once when I was like two or three and like practically just passed out from fever and I woke up. They said she came out of a coma to watch The Addams Family. (laughs) I was like unconscious for hours when I woke up. I went, I want to watch The Addams Family. No, no, she's okay. (laughs) Um, So, yes, I loved Gomez and Morticia. The Adam film was great. I'm a big fan of cartoons. I'm a big fan of The Simpsons and all that stuff now. Yeah. And, yes, I even sometimes watch Family Guy and South Park. really, like, mean ones.
1: (laughs) And what about two movies or or movies, your favorite movies?
0: Oh, God, favorite movies. Um, I I, I keep making lists of favorite movies, but it's, like, huge. Let's see. Um, The last movie I saw, which I just saw a couple weeks ago that I really liked, um which they keep retitling i believe it's called pirate radio in this country yes yes. it's called the boat that rocked in england or something and it's about pirate radio in the 60s in Mm -hmm. england and i liked it a lot i mean it's some americans might not because it's several movies at once it's like a cute sweet coming of age story a story about politics and radio and censorship and then like all your favorite 1960s tunes on a boat so it's like trying to keep track of what movie is this (laughs) but (laughs) it's really funny i really like that um I am fans of, like, Cork one of those people who loved Harold and Maude and always, you know, has a copy around. Um, uh, I also oddly like action films. I like all the Stallone films and the Schwarzenegger hmm. films. I liked, you know, like Terminator stuff. Um, I'm mad for horror films. Uh, I think probably my one of my favorite movies of all time has to be Silence of the Lambs. Ah,
1: uh, yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, Allison, I, I appreciate you taking so much time and, and talking with us. It was fun and... Uh... I, I i want to thank you
0: okay great well thank you very much this was great
1: and i want to thank allison so much for taking the time to talk to us uh, she was a great guest a lot of fun to talk to and uh, wish her luck with uh, her movies and also of course with her new book that we're going to be looking forward to coming out in uh you know in 2010 so uh, it should be good and that's about it for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. Uh, we are moving into the holiday season here, Christmas and everything else coming our way. And uh, it's uh, we still have a lot of great guests coming our way. So stick around. Be here next week as we bring you another one right here on On Screen and Beyond. Until then, this is Brian. Take care. <laughs>